Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today on The Scent Life, we are talking about a subject that honestly, we don't like to talk about very much, at least in our circles, and that's spiritual warfare. We're joined by Dr. Chuck Lawless, and we're discussing an area that is real, that we find in the pages of scriptures, but oftentimes either we don't talk about it, or perhaps when it's talked about, it's unhealthy. So listen to The Scent Life today as we dig into spiritual warfare in the Great Commission. Welcome to the Scent Life Podcast. I am Greg Mathias, one of the hosts of the Scent Life Podcast, and uh, today we have the joy and the privilege of having back uh, a guest that we've had on before, Dr. Chuck Lawless. Uh, for those of you that might not have had a chance to listen to a previous podcast with him, I'd encourage you to go back. Uh, we did kind of a two-part mini-series on prayer. The first one, uh, Scott Hildreth and myself, we talked about the importance and the role of prayer in terms of praying for missionaries. And then of course we had uh, Dr. Lawless on and uh, he helped us really dig down deeper into uh, prayer. What is it? Why do we do it? Uh, how do we even cultivate that uh, in our own lives? So I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes. But today, uh, again, welcome back, Chuck. Glad you've joined us again on The Scent Life. Thank you, Greg. Good to be back. Yeah, and so today uh, I wanna dig into an area that I don't even know how to put it. Uh, it's probably an area that uh, we don't talk about a lot, uh, in our circles at least, and, and it's an area that uh, oftentimes uh, when it is talked about, I would say there's probably some, at least some misunderstanding, if not outright uh, unhealthy conversations surrounding, and that's spiritual warfare. Hmm. And the reason I have you on today uh, is because I know that uh, in terms of your ministry, in terms of your passions, this is an area that I know you've written on. Uh, you've written a couple of books, uh, even even uh, of late, you, you put out a, a book. Um, and, and remind our listeners, what are, what are the works you've done on spiritual warfare? Uh, there are several. The latest one is a, a book that I co-wrote with uh, Dr. Bill Cook at Southern Seminary called spiritual warfare and the storyline of scripture. Um, and in the first half of the book, Dr. Cook literally walks from Genesis to Revelation to look at all the Bible says about spiritual conflict. The second half of the book, I take that foundation and talk practically about how the enemy attacks us and how do we prepare for that battle and win that battle. Yeah. And that's a really uh, helpful book. I I've looked at that, uh, read through that, and even used that in uh, certain aspects of my courses. So I'd encourage encourage our listeners to look for that book among the many other works uh, that you've written that, that are related uh, to spiritual warfare. Uh, but, uh, but, but Chuck, help us out, help our listeners out. Um, so this, this whole idea, this whole area of spiritual warfare, uh, first kind of help us understand what is that? What are we talking about? And why do you think we, we don't like to talk about it very much uh, in our circles? <laughs> spiritual warfare is, is, it's the reality of the battle between the forces of evil and the, the people of God. Mm. Uh, the enemy strikes at God's work, ultimately wanting to strike at God. He does it through his people. And from Genesis to Revelation, from, 
from the serpent entering the garden in Genesis 3 to uh, the final judgment on the devil and his forces in the book of Revelation, the, the Bible speaks of this conflict. And so it is, it is striking to me that we, we don't talk about it much as evangelicals. And I think, I think Greg, there, there are several reasons for that. One, it's, it can be spooky. So if we just think about it, we think about Hollywood is what we see. We think about The Exorcist, the, the, the famous movie. We, we see images and pictures that, that move in different directions from where the scriptures do, so we avoid that. I, I think the other reality is that we have seen excesses, among others, uh, where they, they tend to find a demon behind every rock, and, right. and they spend more time rebuking the devil than they do talking to God, and so I think there's always this fear, particularly among cognitive-focused evangelicals, there's this fear that if we take one step in that direction, that somehow we will be on that slippery slope into a, a faulty understanding of spiritual warfare, so we, we simply avoid it. Hmm. Yeah, no, it can be spooky, and we probably all know stories of excess, and, and I think but help our listeners out. You mentioned kind of Genesis to Revelation, and I know for me as a young believer, probably my my initial exposure, just maybe like many of our listeners, uh, was from P Frank Peretti. Yes. Uh, this Present Darkness and, and his books, again, captivating reads, but I think I walked away from those books a little bit scared, but also kind of looking for uh, those spirits or demons uh, everywhere. Um, and so, uh, help us ground that a bit more in the scriptures. How does the Bible, uh, where do you see that in scriptures, this idea of spiritual warfare? How does the Bible talk about spiritual warfare? Help us out a little bit. Well, I, let's go back to Peretti. I do think Peretti really popularized the concept of spiritual warfare among yeah. evangelicals. I agree. Uh, he, but what he was writing was fiction. Yeah. Uh, and what happened was an awful lot of folks took his fiction for nonfiction, for mm. truth, and he, and he set up, in my opinion, he set up a, a dualistic uh, situation where the devil and God are fighting against each other, and we really don't know who's going to win. Well, the Bible never goes in that direction. The Bible is very clear that we are wrestling against an enemy. Paul in Ephesians 6 says that we're, uh, we're wrestling not against one another, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Peter warns us that there's one that is going about like a, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, James tells us to submit to God and resist the devil. And so the, the text is clear that this conflict is real, but, but the scriptures also remind us that uh, Colossians 2 tells us that Jesus disarmed the powers mm. in his cross. And you can't find, Greg, you cannot find any place in the scripture where the devil is outside of God's control. He is, he is always on God's leash, always. One of the things we don't like about that is that sometimes God gives him a much longer leash than we would like. That's right. Um, but, you, but you can't find him somehow, somehow becoming more powerful or taking control over God. The devil always remains under God's thumb. And so even though the battle is real, we fight from a position of victory. Mm. That's good. No, that's really helpful. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and again, uh, I'm, we mentioned and we talked about Frank Peretti, and, and I agree with you. I think he probably at least 
at least made spiritual warfare part of a, a conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, some of that was good. Uh, probably some of that was less helpful. But but I think for me, in terms of my understanding and experience uh, with uh, the realm of spiritual warfare, was probably a it became more real to me in probably some of the same ways, maybe some of our listeners or others. Uh, it was really as my family and I lived cross-culturally, as we lived overseas, we served with the IMB for a number of years uh, as missionaries. And it was during that season that really spiritual warfare became uh, not just a new reality, but it, but it really, the pages of scripture kind of fleshed out before my eyes in terms of this realm of spiritual warfare. I think that's a common story of those that have traveled and served and ministered in, in different places and cultures. Why, Chuck, why do you think that is? Why, why is it sometimes in places like that, as opposed to, for lack of a better word, kind of our normal rhythms of life may, we might experience here in the U.S.? Yeah, I think one reason is that everything gets magnified when you, when you move cross-culturally. Every, the, the littlest thing that would not have caused conflict between you and your wife in the States creates conflict overseas because all the stress and all the pressure trying to figure out how to fit into a culture just magnifies things. So I think it, it happens too with spiritual warfare. We, we can talk about spiritual warfare when we're here in the States, uh, then we get overseas and some of the same battles are real. They get magnified, though, because we find ourselves in many cases alone. Um, that, that's, that's the essence of what we're doing as we send even missionary teams. We're sending missionary teams in the places where they're far outnumbered. Yeah. Uh, and, and often you don't have access to worship in your mother tongue. And so hearing the word taught, singing the, the, the word, singing praises in a second language that you're fumbling through, sometimes I think we miss uh, some of that growth that we could get from, from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think the, the greater reason is we send missionaries to the front lines of the battle. Mm. They are going where the gospel has not gone, where the enemy has ruled the territory. Mm-hmm. And whenever we step into the enemy's territory uh, with the light we can rest assured the enemy is going to try to, to turn that light off. Mm. He's going to hammer at us to try to get us to return home, uh, to seclude ourselves among the few believers that are there, mm. to, to keep us from sharing the gospel. He comes after us because we have chosen to engage him on the, on the field. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true and very helpful. Uh, and so, uh, again, when I say it becomes a new reality, uh, it's not like it wasn't present before. I think we're just more aware of that. Uh, right. and we have a more biblical understanding of the world around us. Uh, and and hopefully it drives us to pray uh, and engage. Uh, yeah, and I think, I think it does differ in some ways. In North America, I think one of Satan's primary strategies is to get us to ignore him. Okay. Or, to, or to think that he doesn't exist. Yeah. Or to relegate him to a Halloween costume that we put on once a year. Or, or I mentioned Hollywood. We see him as this fascinating figure that Hollywood paints, but we don't think about him attacking us. Okay. Uh, and so if he can get North Americans to ignore him, he wins. Then we go overseas, often the places where people are much more in tune with the powers, often to animistic places where, where they overemphasize the powers, 
but they're but they're much more in tune with the reality of forces. And so sometimes we find ourselves trying to reach people who talk more in terms of spiritual warfare than we ever have. Now, mm. it's not a, it's not always a biblical understanding, but it's certainly a recognition that wow, there are powers beyond us, and I, I think that leads to even more conflict for us. Yeah, no, and I think that's uh, just this whole idea that oftentimes it here in the U.S. it looks like just uh, ignoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's uh, in some ways not real. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about that in his old uh, classic work, Screwtape Letters, which is a helpful uh, engagement here as well. Let me ask you one more question just to dig in a bit more, because you've written a lot, as we said earlier, on spiritual warfare. Uh, You've got your uh, blog uh, that's helpful, goes out uh, almost on a daily basis. But I remember one of your older blog posts about this area was... Uh, you, you say something along the lines of the enemy's primary, one of the enemy's primary strategies against the church is powerless Christianity. What do you mean by that? I thought I was intrigued by that. Yeah, on one hand, I mean, we, we don't give enough attention to the fact that God indwells us through his spirit. Mm. That God's divine plan is not that he, not just that he saves us, but that he saves us and fills us and is with us wherever we are. And we, we forget the power that is, that is at, our, at our fingertips. But the, the other reason is this, and it's helpful for me to remember David and his stories. When David was the shepherd boy, David took on the giant and said, the Lord who protected me from the lions and the bears, he'll protect me from this giant. And David said, the battle is not mine it is the Lord's. Mm. Uh, and he knew as a shepherd boy that he had to lean on God and that God was going to give him victory. Mm. Later on, he grows up, he becomes the king, and he wants to take a census of his military forces. He wants to know how mighty he is, mm. uh, how much power he has behind him. And so the one, the shepherd boy who used to lean on God and said the battle is the Lord's is now the king who leans on his military forces and in essence says the battle is mine. Well, when we get to the place where we're fighting the battle in our own strength, we're coming up with our own ingenious ways to do this. Um, Or Greg, one of the ways I think we, we illustrate this is sometimes we face a battle and we fight the battle as hard as we can. And we don't pray until we figure out we can't win the battle. We, we climb a mountain as far as we can climb it and we don't really pray until we get stuck on the mountain. Well, if that's the way we pray, what we're confessing is I'm living in my own strength. Mm-hmm. And we, we cannot threaten the enemy in our own power. Wow, that's sobering and convicting. Um, uh, again, a fascinating conversation. We're going to pick up the conversation with Chuck Lawless on spiritual warfare right after this brief break. Thank you so much to our listeners for continuing to listen to The Scent Life. Uh, I hope that if you're encouraged by our podcast, if you find it helpful, that you'll let us know. We'd love to hear from you, uh, that you'll uh, let other people know. You'll send out links to it. Uh, But uh, The Scent Life isn't the only podcast that we have coming out of Southeastern. We've got uh, three fantastic podcasts coming from each of our ministry centers. Of course, you're familiar with The Scent Life. 
through our Center for Great Commission Studies. We also have Pastor Matters. That's such a helpful podcast for pastors, and it's from our Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership. And then we have a third podcast from our Center for Faith and Culture, and it's Christ and Culture. I would encourage you uh, to subscribe to all three of the podcasts. They will be encouraging and helpful, and not only for you, uh, but those in your ministry spheres and other friends and family. Encourage them uh, to listen to the three podcasts that come from the ministry centers here at Southeastern. So we're back with Chuck Lawless, and we're talking about spiritual warfare. Yes, we are evangelical. Yes, uh, we believe in the scriptures. And yes, we are talking about spiritual warfare. And so, um, uh, Chuck, let me pick up kind of where we were just talking about some of the enemy's primary strategies against the church. One of the things that you have connected in your writings and thinking, which I think is helpful, you connect spiritual warfare to the persecution of the church. Uh, can you help our listeners kind of uh, connect those dots a bit more? What, what does that mean? Help us out. Yeah, the, the enemy has multiple ways of attacking the, the people of God from, from false teaching, uh, from Genesis 3, basically saying to Adam and Eve, God didn't mean what he said, uh, has God really said, to division among the people of God, so if we can turn on each other, uh, we're, we're not going to be threatening the enemy. Two, ultimately wanting to destroy the people of God. Uh, as, I, as I read the book of Job, uh, it seems to me the only reason that Satan didn't take Job's life is that God put the fence up around him. Mm. Satan went absolutely as far as God would let him go in destruction. And... The enemy seeks to destroy God's people. When Peter speaks of one going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, he's writing against the backdrop of some kind of persecution. Mm. So if the, if the enemy can, one, move people off the scene through persecution, or create such fear of persecution that we're unwilling to go to risky places he, he at least temporarily gains an upper hand. Now, mm. he's not the winner. Uh, and even when we lose our lives for the sake of the gospel, that happens under the sovereign hand of God, ultimately. And God uses that even to spread the gospel. So we, we see that throughout the book of Acts, that as the heat rises on the church, they simply spread out and, and many come to know the Lord. Mm. Uh, so God uses it all but the enemy still seeks to destroy. Yeah, no, and it, it's a vivid reminder uh, that we do need to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters uh, around the world. Uh, uh, the persecution of the global church, uh, it's honestly probably at an all-time high, even with the last year uh, that we've gone through. That's actually intensified persecution in many levels for our brothers and sisters, and I think the enemy delights in nothing more. Uh, than that. And so we want to pray for them. But uh, help, Chuck, for our listeners, uh, we have listeners, uh, many of them are here in the United States, and we talked some about that uh, in terms of spiritual warfare and what that looks like. We've also got listeners around the world, uh, missionaries and church planters living in cross-cultural context. And 
And I think as we talk about this area, a, a helpful uh, kind of framing or a helpful article that I actually introduce in a lot of my classes, which seems to um, open the eyes of many of my students is Paul Hebert's done some thinking and writing or did some thinking and writing in this area. And he introduces this idea of not only the need for what he calls critical contextualization, but he does that against the backdrop of what he calls the flaw of the excluded middle, uh, which is really what we're talking about. It's just this uh, where the seen and the unseen uh, worlds come together in real life. And so help our listeners maybe understand as they think about their ministries and the context where they are, how can they reclaim kind of a healthy understanding of spiritual warfare uh, and a healthy kind of living out of that understanding in such a way that they don't fall into what Hebert calls the twin ditches, the twin dangers. One of those is secularism, or essentially we kind of have an explanation, a rational scientific explanation for everything, or as you talked about earlier, uh, that uh, oftentimes there's an animism that we can fall into where Christianity just becomes kind of a new, a new magic. It's a way to gain power. It's a way to manipulate. We see that some, in some senses that the prosperity gospel kind of hides under that. So help our listeners kind of navigate those and kind of reclaim a healthy thinking and understanding of spiritual warfare. I think, I think Hebert's right on target that particularly as Westerners, uh, we, it's not that we don't talk about angels and demons and power. It's not that we ignore them. It's that we relegate them to some other area of existence. Uh, they're in the skies somewhere. They're in the, the, the heavenly battle is going on there. But the, the, the powers never intersect with where we live in, in our own existence, that, that everything for us is, in, is empirically tested, uh, rationalistic. And if we talk at all about spiritual powers, they're just out there somewhere. Uh, they, don't, they don't really uh, influence our lives. Uh, what's, what's happened as people have begun talking about spiritual warfare uh, particularly in the in the 90s when this this concept became very popular among publishers and writers and our charismatic friends in particular there, there were those who who did what Scott Moreau calls uh, expanding the middle uh, yeah. it's the flaw yeah. of the expanded middle where mm -hmm. you find demons everywhere and and honestly, Greg, uh, I, I get why people would be interested in that, because if you're, if you're wrestling with a sin issue that you've been wrestling with for a decade and you keep losing and you read a book that says that's because you have a demon of lust in you. And if you pray this particular prayer or you mm -hmm. go to this conference, somebody will remove that demon from you. I, I get why that would be attractive. Um, and, and so we expanded and found demons everywhere. How do we, how do we live properly in that balance? Uh, on one hand, we have to go to the scriptures. Uh, not a surprise, we stand on the scriptures. But as I said earlier, you cannot read the scriptures and ignore the reality of the demonic. So at a minimum, the scriptures are going to say to you, all right, this battle is real. So our, our secularism that would deny that gets undercut simply by the teaching of the word. 
And then on the flip side of that, I do think there are believers that, that have in essence created Christian magic, that mm. if, we, if we pray the right prayer, if we say the right formula, uh, then the, the demons will flee. It's almost as if we're, we're using the right words to, to cast a spell. And that, that honestly borders more on animism than it does on, on Christian teaching. Uh, it's, it's the picture in Acts 19 of the sons of Sceva, mm. who, who know that Paul has power, and they attempt to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. What, what they were doing was trying to make the name of Jesus formulaic, mm. uh, and, and that was a, a really dumb move on, on their part. Uh, but I think sometimes we do the same thing, mm. and, and what I want us to ask is, how do I defeat the enemy? Well, Paul tells us we put on the full armor of God. That means we walk in truth and mm -hmm. righteousness and speak the gospel of peace and trust the promises of God in faith and live out our salvation and live and love and speak the word. It's fundamental obedience. Mm -hmm. And I think if, if the way we're dealing with spiritual warfare is to find those quick fix solutions without basic repentance and obedience mm. where we've moved more into an animistic understanding than a biblical one. No, that's really, there's a lot there uh, and it's helpful, but this idea of, of basic repentance and obedience, grounding that in the scriptures, because clearly we've been talking about spiritual warfare and it's obvious that that's a reality uh, from the pages of scripture. And, uh, and so we need to be prepared and we need to battle well. And that happens through repentance and obedience. And so Chuck, this has been really helpful. Uh, we may have to come back to this, uh, okay. at some point, uh, because we don't talk about it enough, but I hope for our listeners, uh, I hope you've been not only encouraged, perhaps you've picked up some good resources that will help you as you, um, as you live in the battle. Uh, and as you minister uh, in, in places that are familiar uh, with the spiritual realms. And so just to kind of end our time, I'm going to, you, you mentioned this at the end, but I'm just going to read from Ephesians 6, a few verses, and I'm going to use those as a prayer uh, for our listeners. So, so let's pray using the scriptures. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and, and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. But it's for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Lord God, that is our prayer, and it is all rooted in you and your vast strength. And so we pray for our listeners that they would not only put on the full armor of God, that they would stand and that they would resist in your strength, for it is your, your battle that you have won, and we find our identity in you, and that is the hope we hold out to all peoples. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Chuck, thank you so much. This has been really helpful, and uh, you're welcome anytime on the Scent Life Podcast. Thank you, Greg. Good to be with you. Thanks again for listening to the Scent Life podcast. As we mentioned earlier, uh, please subscribe to our podcast. And also, we have two other wonderful podcasts at Southeastern, Pastor Matters and Christ and Culture. I encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to those podcasts as well as the Scent Life. <music>